I want you guys to think back to when you were a little bit younger, okay, and what you thought about yourself. I can remember being young, and I had a pretty great childhood, loved where I lived, loved my family, but there was always one thing I wanted to change about myself, okay? I don't know if you had that, but there was one thing I wanted to change about myself. Um, I think we have a photo of me when I was in school, so you guys can see this picture of me. I know you're thinking, he's so good looking. What does he want to change about himself? But... Okay, here's what it was is whenever I was younger, I would go into places and I wanted a different hairstyle, okay? So I don't know if anyone had this happen, but I remember in the 80s and 90s, you would go into a barber shop or a salon and they had these books. And so I would open the book and I'd flip through the pages and I'd take him to the person that was cutting my hair and I'd say, hey, I want my hair to look like this. And they would say, can't do it. I'm like, seriously? And so I'd flip over a few more pages. What about this? And they were like, no, that's for people with straight hair. Your hair is curly, right? So I'd always be like, how can you do, what can you do with my hair? How can you style it? And this was their answer. We can cut it shorter, okay? So that was really it. Like we could take a couple inches off. That's about all we could do because of how my hair was. I remember that. I always, I dreamed of having different hair, being able to style it different ways. Now it's crazy because now that I'm older, I would never change my hair. I mean, anywhere where I go, usually someone stops me and they're like, man, how do you do that with your hair? Do you put product in it? What do you do? I'm like, nope, this is all natural, you guys. So But I remember being younger and I wanted that. Like I wanted to look different. I wanted my hair to be different. Maybe you have that in your life. Like you can think back to something you would change or something you wanted different. Um, It could be growing up. It could be right now. It could be something like that. But that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about change and transformation and even changing things in our life. What does that look like? What does the scripture say about that? We're kicking off this brand new series called Sunday Playlist. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at songs. Most of them are pretty popular. Some of them are a little bit more recent. Some of them are a little bit older. And we're going to look at how do themes from these songs reflect Scripture, okay? We're not preaching these songs. We're going to preach the Bible because we think that's what guides and directs our lives. But we are using themes from these songs and some thoughts from these songs to look at, hey, how do we feel about this? Or what does the scripture say about this? And what does that mean for our lives? So that's what we're going to do the next few weeks. I promise you, it's going to be a great few weeks. You're not going to want to miss any of these um, because we're going to have a lot of fun together on Sundays as well. And as we jump into these series, let me give you a few things that'll be helpful, okay? That'll help us as we're going in this series. Now, you can see the songs that we're going to be talking about. If this morning you screenshot, kind of snap a picture of that, and then leave and don't come back, I need to tell you something. All of these songs are not positive themes, okay? So I don't want you walking away this morning thinking, oh, 
The church is saying that we should do that. That's not necessarily what we're saying, okay? So some of these have negative themes, and we're going to look at, hey, what do we think about that? What does the Scripture say about that? Like, how do we live differently? That's really important to know. Don't just take a picture, go home, listen to it, and be like, I guess the Bible says that's okay. That's not what we're saying, okay? So that's important to know as we hop through this series. We're going to be looking at both positive and negative themes within this series, and what does the Scripture say about that? What does that mean for us? The other thing that's really important to know, which could be a totally entirely different message and sermon series, but I want to let you know is when we as followers of Jesus interact with any kind of media, okay, so this could be books, um, it could be TV shows, movies, music, when we interact with any of that, we need to stop and think about what is it that the artist is saying, okay? This is really important. We do not as followers of Jesus mindlessly consume media content and not think about it We don't even just listen to music and say, hey, I kind of like the beat. Okay, I like that I can dance to it. But we need to think about what kind of impact or what does that mean or what does the scripture say about this? Here's what I need you to hear. There is certain music that is marketed as Christian that is not good music. Okay? Bet you never thought you'd hear that in church, but you did this morning, okay? So I need you to know that you cannot just turn on what's called Christian radio and just, hey, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to listen to this because someone else said it's good. That's not okay to do, okay? I'll just be honest. Some of the quality of the music of Christian music is really bad, like probably shouldn't have been made. Some of the lyrics and messages aren't great, okay? You need to stop and think about, hey, is that a good message? Is that line up with scripture? What do I think about that, okay? So I want you to hear that. You cannot just mindlessly consume things. The other thing is some things that aren't marketed as Christians can be good music or it can be bad. Once again, you can't just say, I like the beat. You need to stop and think, wait, what are they saying that I should be doing? And is that okay? Like, is that how Christ has called me to live? So that's important. You also need to hear this. There is some music that, were, that was not made by Christians that is really good music. Okay. It may be artistically It may be the message, and yes, that is possible. In the Bible, God uses a donkey to talk to someone. He could definitely use a music artist, okay? So it doesn't necessarily have to be a Christian that's writing it for it to be good music, but we don't just mindlessly consume content. We need to stop and think about what we're hearing and what we're taking in and its effects on us, okay? So I know that's a totally different message, totally different thought, but I want you to think about that as followers of Jesus about what we're listening to, okay? So today we're looking at this song, Somebody That I Used To Know. Some of you guys may remember this. It was the top of the charts just a few years ago. Okay, It was a pretty popular song. And it was these two artists that were singing this song. They were talking about a relationship. Okay, So that was kind of the theme of the song. And the relationship from the sound of the song wasn't that great of a relationship. And they ended up breaking up and splitting and going their separate ways. But now they're looking and they're saying, you're just somebody that I used to know. Okay? don't even we're not connected anymore we're not in a relationship with each other anymore and there's all of these themes and they're saying it wasn't even a great relationship like there were probably bad things in the relationship so this morning i want us to look at some of the themes from this song now we're not going to talk about romantic relationships okay you'll have to come back a different sunday for that i actually want us to look at our own lives and that scripture talks about the change and transformation that should happen in us So much to the fact that when we look at our past, who we were, that it's just somebody that we used to know. It's not who we are anymore. 
that Christ has called us to be someone different, that your life should be so radically changed as you come to Jesus, as you surrender to Him, that you are no longer the person that you were before. You've been changed. Once again, it's just somebody from your past. That's somebody that you used to know. It's not who you are anymore. The Scripture calls us to change. We are called to be different people. As we come and surrender our lives to Christ, we should not be the same people we were before Jesus. Okay? That's what the Bible talks about. It's very clear and very plain about this. Now, we live in a culture where, for the most part, we like change. Okay? I was looking this week at what are changes that we make in our life. Um, over the past few years, the job market has drastically changed. And through a survey that was done just over the past few years, 51% of people have changed their jobs. Okay? That's a pretty big alteration in, in our lives. And these weren't like small, subtle changes like I was a teacher and I went and started teaching at a different school. Or I was an accountant and I changed CPA firms. These are like massive changes like I was a doctor and I left that career and went into the nonprofit world. Or I was a teacher and I went into criminal justice to make an impact there. These are like massive career shifts that people were making. They were unsatisfied with whatever occupation they were doing. And so they said, hey, I'm going to make a change. Like 51%, that's a pretty big drastic change over the past few years in the workforce here in the United States. 71% of people that were interviewed said, I'm in the process of making kind of a life-altering change. Like things that have happened in the world kind of hit the reset button for all of us. And so we said, this is a good time to change. I don't have to do or be the same person that, that I was before. I'm not satisfied with that. And so once again, for some people, it was career. For others, um, there has been a massive migration, like in cities to different states, people moving from other parts of the country, even to Texas right here. Like we, we've seen the growth that has happened because they've said, hey, I want something different. For others, it was a relationship. They may have been in that relationship for a long time, but they said, I'm done, or with their community of friends, and hey, I'm going to switch that out and find a new community of friends, or even some with their faith. They're looking for answers to big questions that they have. People are making drastic changes. 70% or 72% of people that were interviewed said that. Another thing, and, and this was crazy, I didn't even know they had a report like this, but there is a cosmetic surgery report that's put out every year in the United States over 10% of Americans have had some type of cosmetic surgery because they're not satisfied or don't like the way that they look, okay? It's a pretty big number when you stop and think about it. That's not talking about medical procedures that have to be done and there's a cosmetic aspect to that. That's just people that have said, I don't like the way that I look. And it's not like, oh, I've got too many gray hairs. I need to dye my hair black. But this is like surgical and pretty invasive, like, procedures that are done because for whatever reason something in society has told us we don't look good enough and so we need to make some kind of alteration now this is not a message saying cosmetic surgery is bad or anything it's just to know there's a lot of change that we like to have in our life or that we're looking for or things that we're looking at but in all of the surveys that i read the difficult thing is most of us when we think of change or transformation we think of external factors I'm going to change something on the outside of my life. When the scripture talks about change and transformation, it talks about internal factors. 
God did not save you so that you would get some kind of different haircut or you would dress differently. That's not what the scripture says. God begins to work in your life because he wants to do something on the inside of you. And there is a dangerous thing when we think we can just change the outside of our life and somehow it'll make us different, we'll be happier, we'll be more satisfied, whatever's been upsetting us will all of a sudden go away and life will be perfect. The scripture says, no, it's actually what happens on the inside of you that is really important as it comes to change and transformation. And Christ wants to change your life. And he wants to drastically change you in such a way that when you look at your past, when you look at weeks ago and months ago and years ago, you're like, I don't even recognize who I was before. That's just somebody that I used to know. That's a different individual because of what Christ has done in my life. So let's go to the scripture and let's look at what the scripture says as it comes to transformation. What are themes that we come to in the Bible? The first is this right here. It's that when we're living, we can get addicted to a certain kind of sadness. If you're familiar with the song, the writer of that song puts that lyric in there. And basically what he's saying is, I was in this really messed up relationship and I didn't even know how messed up it was. He's saying that he's like, I just got used to being sad. I got used to this brokenness in my life. I got used to, I even got addicted to kind of this horrible thing in my life and I didn't even recognize it anymore. The scripture reflects those same words that you and I can live our life like that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn into Romans chapter one and we're gonna read at verse 21. It'll be up on the screen, but just in case you've never read the book of Romans, it's this guy named Paul. He's an early church leader and he's writing to the church in the city of Rome. Now, Rome at that time was very much like American and Western culture. Rome had a lot of problems with sexual immorality. If you can imagine it, sexually it was happening in Rome. They devalued life. So basically, human life was expendable to them. It was a commodity. It was okay. There wasn't really a lot of value put on another person. There was racial issues and there were social class issues. There was economic oppression. So there was this very wealthy elite class and then everyone else was suffering and feeling extreme pressure economically. A lot of what was happening there is mirrored in a lot of the issues that we're facing today. And Paul begins to write to the church and he says, here's how you're called to live in this type of culture. And let me tell you things that you need to avoid. Let me tell you things that you need to be careful of and what can happen in our hearts just living in this type of culture. This is what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, this letter to the church. He's talking about people and he said, for although they knew God, they kind of knew who God was and had this working knowledge of God. They didn't glorify God and give thanks to him. But thinking, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. For although they claimed to be wise, they were really fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images that were made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their heart, to sexual impurity, for degrading their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator himself, who is forever praised. Amen. What is Paul saying there? Well, I think if he was writing those words nowadays, he would say, church, be careful because you can get addicted to a certain kind of sadness. 
that there is the possibility in our life that there is brokenness, there is sin, there is addiction in our life, and it just becomes normal for us. We don't even realize the brokenness that we're walking in. And in these moments, we can just give ourselves over to these things. So Paul's writing to the church, and he said, you live in a really messed up culture. You have to be careful that you don't become like that. That that's not the way that you live, but you live differently because Christ is inside of your life. Now, we read something like this and we're like, okay, but that's not really us, right? Like what Paul's talking about. No one's going to make the image of a human being and like bow down and worship it or birds. Definitely not reptiles because reptiles are gross or animals or something like that, right? We're like, hey, we're not going to do that. But that's not the heart of what Paul is saying. What he is saying is this. There is the possibility in our life where we start to look at created things that will bring us comfort, that will satisfy us instead of taking those wants and those needs to God. Are you understanding that? There is the possibility where we put others on a pedestal. We look up to them and we idolize their life as if their life is somehow what we're shooting for and what we're striving for instead of what God has called us to be. Do you understand that? How many times in our culture do we look at other things to satisfy us? And we just normalized it. We've taken things that God has put in our world and we've abused them because of pain in our life. So we get drunk constantly. What was meant for medicinal purposes, now we have an opioid epidemic right here in the United States because we don't know how to handle those things. We're abusing them because we just want to dull the pain in our life. Or how about this? We escape into fantasy. Xbox, video games, YouTube, TV shows, movies. When we've had a stressful day, the first thing we do is we just want to forget it all. And so we sit down, we kind of numb our mind, and we just take in content without thinking about it. That's what we can do. How about this one? This is going to step on some toes. When I've had a bad day, the first thing I do is grab the Oreo cookies right? Or I grab food, like it's going to fill this void in my life. Whatever I'm feeling, yes, delicious food can bring me comfort, and today's going to get a lot better if I can just get the right food. Now, I want you to hear me. Do not walk out of here thinking, Pastor Aaron said music is bad, or TV shows are bad, or movies, or good food is bad. No, I love good food, okay? What I'm saying is there is a problem in my life when I'm looking for that to satisfy me in a way that only God can. There is an issue when I'm taking the gifts that God has given me, even the gift of sexuality, and I'm abusing that in such a way or I'm misusing it as if that's going to bring the joy and satisfaction that I need in my life, that only Christ can fill that void in my heart in that way. There is a problem when I look at what God's created and even some of his good gifts and I abuse them and use them in such a way that they are now the God of my life. They have control of me and they are the things that I'm looking towards to bring comfort in my life. That is the problem, church. And that's what Paul is writing and he's saying you need to be careful. You can get addicted in that way in your life. And you can look at those things to satisfy you in a way that only God can. And that is a problem. That is not the way that you have been called to live. You are different. He said, you've been transformed. You've been changed. Your life looks different than the life of others because of what Christ has done inside of you. I want you to hear this. This is not a message to say, hey, sometimes we're bad people. Try to be better. 
That's not what this is. The Bible doesn't tell us, hey, um, you make some mistakes sometimes, but just kind of man, you know, gather some willpower, try harder, and you can be a better member of society and you can contribute to those around you. That is not the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is you and I are broken and we can't fix ourselves. Listen to the language of the Gospels. Jesus says it like this, you're blind and you don't even know where you should be going. He said, you're lost and it's only God that can find you. Like, have you ever driven around and been lost before GPS and you're just so frustrated, right? But then what about when you've done it so long, you don't even know where you're at anymore? What about this one? He says, you and I were dead in our sins. I don't care who you are. If you're dead, you can't just willpower your way back to life, can you? It takes something else, someone else that has the power to bring you back to life. This is what the writers of the scripture are saying, is you and I were living like that, but Christ came, Jesus came, and he has given you new life. This isn't you're a bad person, try to be a little bit better. This is we were dying in our sins, and only God can breathe life back into us. That's the story of scripture. That's what the Bible says. And so Paul's calling is he's saying, you need to be transformed. Do not become addicted to a certain type of sadness. Do not get comfortable with your sin. And here's the problem. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, we've got too many people still dating their old selves. I mean, they're doing this Jesus thing, but they still got their old lifestyle on the side, right? Like I come on Sundays and I'm committed to Christ, but then Monday and the rest of the week, I kind of got this side thing going on. And Jesus is saying, you have got to leave that behind. Because you and I, we will get to the place where we have ignored God's voice so long. What does Paul say? God says, fine, if you want to live like that, then I'm going to stop challenging you. I'm going to stop convicting you. You can live your own life if you don't want me to be a part of it. And it leads us to a very dark place. We may think we're wise. We may think we're progressive. We may think we're evolved. But really, according to Scripture, we are living in a way that is opposed to God and its foolishness. The second thing that we see as transformation happens, not only can we get addicted to a certain type of sadness, there should be a change, there should be a transformation in us, and we should admit that we are glad that we are no longer that old self, that that old self, that that part of our life is over. There should be a joy that happens when we come to Christ, when we submit our lives to him, when he changes us, and we admit that we're glad that that part of our life is over. In Romans 6, just a few chapters later from that previous verse that I read you, Paul says this, for we know that our old selves were crucified with Christ. He's basically saying, I've died to who I was. I'm not that person any longer. So that my body, which was ruled by sin, that's done away with. And that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. He said, you've come to Christ. You have been set from sin free from sin. You're no longer a slave to that. Those things that controlled your life, those things that had you, those habits and those patterns of thinking, they should no longer have control of you. And you guys, that should bring joy to your life. There should be an excitement of that's not who I am anymore. I don't have to live like that anymore. Isaiah, this prophet says it like this in Isaiah 12, three, he says this, it's with joy that you will draw from the wells of salvation. 
He said, there's this gladness, there's this joy in your heart when you realize I'm no longer addicted. I'm no longer a slave to sin. God has saved me. God has redeemed me. And there's this overwhelming joy and peace that comes in our heart when we experience God's salvation in our life. There should be that point where we're saying, you know what? I'm glad I'm not who I was anymore. I'm glad that person does not define me anymore. That person does not describe me. That's not who I want to be because I don't want to live that way anymore. Right? I mean, our sin brings brokenness. You may think you're hiding it. I may think I'm hiding it. It hurts other people. And there should be that point in our life where we're saying, I don't want to live that way. That's not who I want to be anymore. The way that I used to gossip, the way that addiction had control of my life, the way that I talked to people, right? The way that I lied, the way that I cheated, the way that I got ahead, whatever that is, that's not who I want to be. I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm setting that behind. And there is now a joy in my heart because of what Christ has done in my life, the transformation, the change that has happened inside of me. There is something different about me. To the point where we've been changed, where our old self is now just somebody that I used to know. Can you look at your life, church? Can you look at your life and say, I'm not that person anymore. There is something different about me. I've changed. Let me ask you this. Two weeks ago, are you still the same person you were two weeks ago? Because you shouldn't be. Or two months or two years ago, or 12 or 20, however far back you can go. Like, hey, I'm not that same person. That's just somebody that I used to know. That's who I was before. And now Christ has done something in my life. Christ has changed me. Christ has made a difference inside of me. Colossians 3, 5 says this, that as followers of Jesus, we have put to death, therefore, whatever belonged to our earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in this way, in the way that you once lived, but now you have to rid yourself of all of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lip. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And look, you have put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. This is what Christ is calling you into, is that every day your life would look more and more like Jesus. And can I encourage you with this? This isn't a one-time thing. Okay, it would be great if it was if I could tell you, hey, we're going to pray a prayer in a moment. God's going to wave a magic wand over you. And all of a sudden, poof, every bad desire will disappear. It doesn't work like that. It's a process in our life where every day I come and once again, I surrender. God, here's my life. Here's where I'm at, Lord. Here's the things in my life, God. I give them to you and God, I need you to renew me today. I need you to make me more like you. And let me talk to the followers of Jesus in the room. I, I know different people may be di at different places. Can I tell you this? If you're a Jesus follower, this message is for you. Because here's what we can do is sometimes we can come to Jesus. We can start coming to church and we're like, okay, good. Pastor Aaron, I prayed that prayer. I'm not going to hell anymore. I'm good, right? Like, I'm okay. Nope. Your life should not look the same as it did two weeks ago or two months ago, or two years ago. Jesus did not save you to get you stuck spiritually, and now you're just like, this is where I'm at. 
You have to be changed. You have to be transformed. You have to be made different. You cannot stay where you're at, even in your relationship with Jesus. Every day you have to look more and more like him. Every day you're surrendering more and more of your life. It starts off here, but then he grows you, and then he works, and then he's reshaping, and then he cuts deeper, and he works deeper. I told the first service, it's like this. I've been going to a counselor for a few years, and we were talking this week, and I was like, Tori, I feel like I'm telling you the same stuff I was telling you a few years ago. But he said, Aaron, you're not in the same spot, though. He said, now we're looking at deeper and deeper layers, like we're going deeper and on a deeper level, and we're getting down into the core of where you're at. That's where God's working on you now. That's how it should be in our Christian walk of God. I'm not in the same place as I was even a year ago following you. You guys, this is my prayer. I tell God this all the time. If I live to be 90, Lord... I don't want to be the same Jesus follower I was at 40 years old. I don't want to be the same husband. I don't want to be the same dad. I don't want to be the same pastor. I want to wake up every day, God, and you're showing me more of who you are, and I love you more, God, and you're changing me, and you keep making me more and more into your image, God. Every day, God, I give it to you because you've saved me and changed me and transformed me, God. I'm not the person that I was. That's just somebody that I used to know. I'm not that individual anymore. Church, I want to challenge you to surrender every part of your life to Christ. He wants to change you. If you are a Jesus follower, you should look different than who you were. If you have been walking with Jesus for years, you should not be the same Christian you were when you first came to Christ. You continually submit your life to him and he makes you different. And there's a joy that comes with that. There's a transformation that comes with that. Let me tell you our action items. What do we do with this message? How does that work in our life? What happens? It's simply this. We reflect on Scripture. So I'm going to tell you this. You could be a Jesus follower, and this week, you're going to go into your workplace, students. You're going to go into your classroom. You're going to be around friends, okay? And they are going to try to get you to act like your old self. And it's the power of Scripture. It's remembering what Christ says when you have to remind yourself, oh, yeah, that was my former way of life, but I've put off my old self. That's not who I am anymore. I'm being changed and I'm being renewed in my mind. It's when old temptations come. This is how I used to handle stress. This is how I used the devices in my life that would bring comfort, right? That I realized we're not good. Like this is what, I, and you go back to scripture and you remind yourself I'm changed. That's not how I react to that anymore. That's not what I do with that conversation. That's not how I react to stress, or that's not where I look for comfort. Now there's something different in my life. We reflect on Scripture because Scripture reminds us God has made us new, and we have to tell ourselves that sometimes. I'm not that same person anymore. The other thing I want you to do this week, this is your action item, okay? You came to church, you're getting homework. This is what I want you to do is some of you guys need to write yourself a Dear John letter, Okay? I know that may seem a little silly, but you need to do that. You need to write that this week. Dear Aaron, you put it in your name. Don't put it in my name. Okay. But you write that. Dear Aaron, I am breaking up with you. You are not good for me anymore. I am in a relationship with Jesus. You can write down, here's some of the things that I used to do as my old self. Like, this is who I was. I'm not going to do those anymore because now I'm in a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, Christ followers, this is for you too. 
Because some of you guys, you, you've handled things that are a little bit more apparent that everyone can see, but you struggle with pride. You've been doing this for a while, and you think, Jesus, I've kind of got this. Like, I'm not that bad. And you need to break up with pride in your life and say, no, that's not who I'm called to be. For others of you that are Jesus followers, we're self-righteous sometimes, right? Like we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm not as bad as that coworker or God, you know what they're doing and I would never do anything like that. No, that's called being self-righteous and that is not okay. And you need to break up with that person and say, that's my old self. That's who I was. So dear John Letter, I'm saying goodbye to you because I'm someone new. I'm in a relationship with Jesus and I'm leaving that part of my life behind. So I want to challenge you, do that. Reflect on scripture. It may be helpful. Write yourself a letter. Actually do it. Sit down and write it and say, I'm saying goodbye to my old self because Christ is doing something new in me and it's filling my life with joy. It's changing me. I am not the same person that I was before. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. You may be here this morning and say, Aaron, that's me. Like, I don't know all the details of your life, but maybe some of the things I said hit pretty close to home. And you would be honest and say, man, I've been trying to do things my own way instead of God's way. Maybe you didn't even know it, but you're addicted to things that are bringing brokenness and sadness in your life. And this morning, God's saying, you need to say goodbye to those things. They're not healthy for you. They're not good for you. And you need to surrender that part of your life to Christ. For others of you, maybe you have some knowledge of God, but you're not really living for him. You're not inviting him into everyday, the everyday part of your life. You're not asking him to change you and transform you. You're kind of comfortable just where you're at. God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to keep remaking you into something new. And if that's you, I'm going to lead us in this very simple prayer that just acknowledges that. That's what this prayer acknowledges is, God, we've all messed up and I've messed up. I've tried to do things my own way. And then we're just asking for his forgiveness. The Bible says we can't fix ourselves. Like we can't try to be good enough on our own. And so we're saying, God, I need your forgiveness. I need you to come and fix the broken parts of my life. And then it's just saying, God, I want a relationship with you. I want you to be a part of my life. So we're going to pray this together. We're all going to say this out loud together. Whether you're here in this room, you may even be by yourself, driving down the road or in your living room. But I want you to say this out loud because we don't want anyone praying this alone. So let's say this together this morning. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I admit that I've messed up. I admit that I've sinned. And I want your forgiveness. So I invite you into my life. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now church, can you put your hands together and just celebrate? The Bible says this, if you've been disconnected from God, or maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time, that all of heaven is celebrating and rejoicing, that heaven is throwing a party this morning for you because of that decision that you made. And I want you to know, we are excited and we want to help you grow. We don't want you to have to try to figure this out on your own. So one of the first steps that you can take that is really helpful is if you will go to newcommunity.co slash connect track. 
um, we have a class that meets here at the church on Sunday mornings, and we just talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus? That's where we start the conversation. When churches talk about being saved, what does that word even mean? And how do you start to walk with Jesus? How do you have a relationship with God? So that's where we start that conversation at. It's a great first step to say, hey, I want to grow in my relationship with God. So I want to encourage you, take that step, go to newcommunity.co slash connect track. We want to help you as you begin your relationship with Jesus. We're going to pray one more prayer this morning, and I'm going to invite all of you to do this with me. If you're here in the room, in the seat in front of you, there is a card that just says the one. If you're up here on the front row, there's one underneath you. It just says the one. I want you to grab that. Each of us in our lives, we have friends, we have coworkers, we have neighbors, we have people that we intersect with that, man, they need this kind of change in their life. You may be able to see the brokenness, maybe they hide it really well, but on the inside they are empty spiritually and they need God's love. And we're going to take this whole series, this is a great series to invite people, we're going to take this whole series and we're going to pray for them and encourage them, we're going to invite them, we're going to look for God moments to just say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me. We're talking about popular songs, right? We have fun musical stuff out in the lobby, it's a great Sunday, you, I want you to come with me and we're going to invite them. So this is what I want you to do is every week in this series, we're going to take a moment just like this. I want you to write down the name of someone you know. You can be as general or as specific. It doesn't have to be a name, but you could write, hey, my classmate or my neighbor or my family member, or you can actually write their name. Or if you don't know their name, the cashier at the grocery store that I talk to every time when I check out for groceries, like that's who I want to invite. And we're going to take a moment and just pray that if they don't know God or if they don't have a connection with God, God would give us a moment to invite them. And in the back, you're going to see this as you walk out through the lobby. There are two stations and it just says invite your friends. You can grab that card. And I want to challenge everyone to take one of those with them this morning and to invite someone. But we're going to pray over this. I'm going to tell you if you want to, you can drop that one card in the black um, buckets on that table in the back. And our team every day this week, we're going to pray over your one. We're going to pray over our one, the one disconnected from Christ and the one disconnected from church. So Let's do that right now. That person's name that you wrote down, let's just pray that they would know God, that God would give us the opportunity to share his love with them. So Jesus, we come to you, God, and you have changed us and you've transformed us, God. You've made a difference in our lives. So we're praying this morning, God, that whoever's name we wrote down, it could be a family member, a friend, a coworker, a classmate, God, could be a neighbor. It could be someone that we just come in contact with in our community. Lord, we want to share your love with them. So give us a moment, give us the words. We may not even know what to say, but give us the boldness to be able to invite them to church, God. We want them to experience your love. We want anyone that's disconnected from you, that doesn't know you, God, to know how much you love them and the change that you want to bring in their life. So use us this week, God, in our schools, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, God, to show your love to other people so that they would understand, God, your goodness. We pray this in your name. Amen. Still be friends, but I'll admit that I was glad it was over. 